Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is... Wednesday, August the 3rd, and we come to you after a up and down, but I think ultimately good, and at the end of the day, bad day. Love <laughs> you, Phillies, all over the place. Let's just get out of the way quickly. The Phillies get boat raced last night by the Atlanta Braves, just handled in a 13-1 to game. Thank goodness it was trade deadline day, and we had other things to think about. Let's just pretend the game didn't happen. The Phillies get owned by Spencer Strider, four hits. All game, uh, the bullpen game ends up being a beat-up bullpen game as the bullpen gives up 13 runs over the course of the game. Canable, Morales, particularly rough outings for those two guys, but um, they lost. Cardinals won. We are now officially tied for the wild card as the Padres win a couple yesterday. They get Juan Soto. They get Josh Hader. So um, I think the sum takeaway from yesterday uh, in addition to the trades, which we will spend the majority of the time, obviously, today thinking about uh, and talking about, is it is two teams for one spot. Or I guess you could say three if you want to put the Brewers in the mix. It's the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Phillies, in my mind, fighting for two spots. But the Brewers and the Cardinals can only win one of them. So it's going to come down to one of those two teams in the Phillies for the wild card. That's the way this is going to play out, the Padres. You never know. But the Padres, I think, did enough yesterday to say very, very likely we can cement them in as the uh, as the next wild card after the Atlanta Braves, leaving one playoff spot left. You know, ultimately the Central still up for grabs, but one wild card spot left. The Phillies are competing for one spot. They have to get one spot. It's going to be a thrilling little run down the uh, stretch here. It's going to be exciting and. Here's what we'll say. Um, you know, a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement goes into yesterday, into the trade deadline. And I think on a basic level, while it was a roller coaster of a day, and you know, when they first see that they traded Ohapi for Brandon Marsh, and that's the first trade to come out, and you know, most of us don't know much, if anything, about Brandon Marsh, it was definitely shocking. You know, we had just, you know, Heard that Ohapi had become a top 100 prospect. We heard he was quote-unquote untouchable along with Ben Brown. We got Trevor Robertson, of course. Um, and and I don't believe the posturing that he was untouchable or anything like that. I thought there was a very decent chance he got traded when you consider the fact that not only is Ohapi a legitimate prospect that theoretically could fetch you something back, but also someone who is blocked. You know, he is... He has JT in front of them, like it or not. You know, JT Romito is here. He is paid. He's not going anywhere for the next few years, so... You know, it was a um, a prospect that is valuable, but less valuable to the Phillies potentially than to other teams. I think, you know, when that first trade comes down, I think it was just more that, more than anything, you know, we had been talking about the potential for Ohapi 
headlining a deal for a Montas or a Maley or one of these type of pitchers who we felt really could help this Phillies team. And I think that's maybe why when he got traded for Brandon Marsh, it was a little disappointing in the moment. Um, and then Ben Brown gets traded for Robertson, and we had heard up Ben Brown was another untouchable guy. And, you know, guy's taking a massive leap this year as a pitcher. Um, and he gets traded for Robertson, which is half a season of a reliever. And, and you know, it just it felt like a strange day. And then, and then the Syndergaard trade, which I think kind of saves the day in a little bit. And I was not someone who was gung-ho on the Phillies going after Noah Syndergaard. Um, it wasn't, you know, uh, he was not my priority as a starting pitcher, but I did think they needed to add a starting pitcher. But, you know, I think Syndergaard's better than Bailey Folger. We'll, we'll go through it all. I think on the at the end of the day, though, when I look at the sum of it all, the Phillies definitely are better than they were. The Phillies filled three definitive needs. And, oh, by the way, I can't believe I've gone this long without mentioning the best news of the day that Odubel Herrera and Juris Familia are no longer Phillies. Those trades not only bring better players to Philly, but also get rid of two who we desperately want to get rid of and two players who really have hurt this baseball team. The Phillies are better just without those two guys, in my opinion, than you had other guys, and it's a, it's a win from that perspective. So, Ultimately, I think while it was not a, an inspiring haul, uh, you know, it's hard to look at what the Padres did and feel great about what the Phillies got comparatively when you look at a team that is directly competing with the Phillies for playoff spots. But um, the Phillies are better today than they were yesterday, and they might have given up too much to do it. We're going to find out down the road. You know, Logan O'Hoppy, Ben Brown, um, bye-bye to Mickey Moniak. We'll miss you, Mick. I'm rooting for Mick. I really am. You know, obviously a, uh, a shame that it didn't work out here in Philly. Um, and obviously we'll go down as a, a massively disappointing first overall pick for the Philadelphia Phillies, but um, a good guy and uh, had some bad breaks, literally and figuratively. But um, but ultimately, um, helps bring Noah Syndergaard here. It's kind of strange. Uh, my buddy Jack Fritz, last night we were doing a, a podcast, said, um, the high pod saying that, uh, you know, if it had just been Cindergard and Marsh for Ohapi, Sanchez, and Moniak, we're probably looking at the trade differently. And we probably are, especially when you heard what Cindergard was going to go for. Cindergard ends up going for significantly less than, than that was posturing. So to say, oh, Cindergard, the price market is high. It wasn't. It really wasn't. The Cindergard trade wasn't that bad. The Ohapi for Marsh trade headlines the day in terms of a you know, in the moment, what, wait, what reaction? And that was my reaction. A little bit more vulgar than that, but that was the reaction. And then, you know, as is uh, as is usually prudent, I, I did a little research and I learned more about Brandon Marsh. You guys know, if you listen to the show, I watch a ton of baseball. I've always got the package on on my other TV. I'm always watching late night baseball. Um, believe it or not, the Angels, not a super fun team to watch. I've not watched a ton of Angels. I watch when Otani's pitching and... You know, I haven't paid a, a super close amount of attention to the Angels comparative to some other West Coast teams late at night watching baseball. And we'll get some more, some sad news from the baseball world related to West Coast baseball and watching late night baseball a little later. But, um, but um, you know, the Angels not top of my list in teams I watched on, so I've not seen much Brandon Marsh. Um, I don't hate the trade as much as I did when it happened after looking into it a little bit. You know, Brandon Marsh, for those who have not looked into it, is a former top Angels prospect. He was, and look, the Angels system is is and has been a, a disaster. You know, they have really struggled to produce guys similar to us here 
You remember Joe Adele, everyone, uh, one of their top prospects. That that hasn't worked out. They have not had many names on the, the top prospect list. So March being first in that system was not necessarily, um, you know, like being first in the Padres system, let's say. Um, but he was first in the Angels system. He was a top, former top 100 prospect, a guy who was taking the second round of, ironically enough, the Mickey Moniak draft, and who, you know, um, has hit at times um, in the major, um, excuse me, in the minors, um, is a defensive whiz out in center field, you know, really, truly has the potential to be an elite defensive center fielder. He's played all over the outfield in Los Angeles, but, you know, you got Mike Trout there, you got Mike Trout, so he's going to play some center field. It's going to happen. Um, but Brandon Marsh um, looks like he could be a legitimate, legitimate upgrade in the outfield, and, and from a hitting perspective, you know, he's someone who, you know, has yet to hit at the major league level with any consistency. Obviously, he's not been at the major league level that long, but he's only 24 years old. Again, you know, the same stuff I said for Mickey. Let's put it this way. He's a lot further along than Mickey was at 24. That's for sure. You know, two high school outfielders taking that same draft, and, you know, Marsh is certainly light years ahead of where Mickey's at. So, um, you know, Marsh, again, um, it, it'll it'll come down to the hitting tool. You know, the Dombrowski said in his press conference after the trades that the Phillies um, hitting development people have, or hitting staff have, have notified some, in their mind, relatively easy fixes for some of the issues he's been having. So, um, again, this guy's under control for the next five years. Uh, through 2028 or to 2028. So that's valuable. Um, and again, you know, I think just in terms of this team right now, uh, I think the thing that makes this an interesting move is the fact that Marsh is, for all intents and purposes, the Phillies are saying this is our center fielder of the future, right? This is our center fielder of the now and of the next few years at least. That's the plan, obviously. He's going to have to hit to get there. But, you know, just for right now, in terms of a defensive upgrade in center field, I mean... You know, I think um, I think I have a tendency, and you know, I think we have a tendency in, in Philadelphia sometimes to look. We all know the Phillies are a bad defensive team. You know, we've done the whole thing all season coming into the year. This now they're going to be bad. This and that, but I think sometimes we have an, a tendency to somewhat underrate the impact of it. And then you know, we watch the games and it, and stares right as in, right in our eyes, and it's like, oh yeah, that's what. But I do think that you know, with Castellanos and Schorber and, and how unbelievably awful they have been in the corner outfields. Again, two of the you know worst corner outfielders I've ever seen in my life watching baseball, and certainly the worst pair that I've seen watching baseball. You know, I think there's a real chance that bringing in a elite, and again, he needs to be elite, but the potential's there. The metrics say he's you know got the potential to be elite. If Marsh can come in and be an elite center fielder for this team, I mean, that actually could have a drastic impact on this team. It is the kind of thing that actually could make up some runs, could make up some games, could make a real difference for this team. So from that perspective, I like the idea of putting someone out there who can really cover a lot of ground for this team. What a thought, right? Having a good defensive center fielder. I know it's not something we're used to here. Interesting, you know, they make the Sosa trade as well. The Phillies finally prioritizing defense in some spots, funny enough. But... Um, I think the Marsh trade at first blanche when we had heard about how much they valued Ohapi and really we had, you know, thought about the types of trades that it would take to give up Ohapi, you know, in our minds. And look, <laughs> you know, that's one of those things about trades in the market, right? Ultimately the market determines value. We know that. We know that Logan Ohapi is only worth what teams will trade for him. That is what his value is set at. You know, it doesn't matter what 
Jeff Passan says he could get traded for, or Ken Rosenthal says he could get traded for, or Dave Dombrowski says he's val- how valuable he is. Like, none of that matters. In in practical use, the real value comes to the to the table when you try to trade the guy and you find out what he's worth. Boom. And Logan O'Hoppy was worth Brandon Marsh. At least that's the most Dave Dombrowski could pry from the league for Logan O'Hoppy. Now, he obviously didn't have to trade O'Hoppy now, but I appreciate that he was willing to while still hanging on to McGarry and obviously Painter and Abel and hanging on to those top, top pitching prospects. I appreciate it that he was willing to trade O'Hoppy. And at first, I thought he didn't get enough back. But when you really look at the full picture of the type of you know, asset, let's say, Brandon Marsh is in terms of his age, his prospect pedigree, his upside, the amount of years he's under control by the team, and again, the fact that he plays a position where you have no one as opposed to a position where you have someone for the next few years, which O'Hoppy is, um, I'm all good with it. Um, I'm not saying it's a, a home run trade, and there's still a lot of potential downside with it, um, but I'm okay with it. On to the Robertson deal. Um, fine. <laughs> it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't understand why they came out and said Ben Brown and Logan O'Hoppy are untouchable. I understand posturing, and I understand trying to tell the league that guys are valuable, but like, Ben Brown was a guy that most Phillies fans hadn't even heard of. You know, I have people like us who are, you know, obsessed with Phillies baseball. If you're listening to this, you, you've heard of Ben Brown. But there's, I think the average Phillies fan had not heard of Ben Brown. And and only when the Phillies came out and said he's untouchable and then they trade him for a reliever with half a year of a deal left, a, you know, 39, 40-year-old, whatever Robertson is now, reliever um, at that point in his career. And again, he's going to help the Phillies. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, when you trade someone like that for that, it definitely, you know, says, well, wait, what? hold up. Untouchable? Did you say he was an untouchable prospect? I'm so confused. My, Robert's only 37, by the way. I'm, I'm aging him in uh, in, in the moment. Um, but I, uh, you know, it's fine. Like, I do, does David Robertson make this team better? Absolutely. You know, is he probably going to be their closer? Probably. You know, I think that way Sir Anthony can move around. It seems like they want to do that anyway. Robertson's got history closing this season and beyond. Rob Thompson knows him from the days with the Yankees. He probably trusts him. I appreciate that David Robertson is is coming in with this attitude of, you know, I, I'm so upset it didn't work out in Philly this t- first time. I was super excited and things didn't go the right way. This is my chance to redeem myself. Love that too. And again, we got to get rid of Juris Familia because of it. And and to the Marsh point, we got to get rid of Oduble because of it. That doesn't matter. Like, addition by subtraction is a real thing. In this case, it is valuable. Um, it just kind of was a weird trade, the Robertson trade. And again, I will take it. I'm fine. David Robertson makes the Phillies better. The Phillies bullpen is all of a sudden, like, solid. Now, today, maybe not the best day to hype up the pen after a 13-run bullpen game yesterday. But those were weird spots for guys and all that. Knable gave up five runs yesterday. He's been really good. I'm not too worried about it. Had the two inning outing the other night, maybe still a little tired from it. I, whatever. I, I think uh, I think Phillies bullpen's good. I'm pretty excited about it. And you add Robertson to the mix, it certainly makes them better. Um, now, if Ben Brown, if this this you know breakout year he's having turns into something real and he's a real pitcher, that we're gonna look back and say, well, you know, they probably should not have traded Ben Brown for for a half a season with David Robertson. That seems like an overpay. But again, I think Robertson makes. The Phillies better. And then lastly, the Syndergaard trade, which, again, I was not super in on Syndergaard coming in, but he's certainly better than Bailey Falter. We can say that. Um, he's having a solid year from a production standpoint, but, you know, really struggling to strike guys out. The ERA, I think, is 3-3, which is, you know, fine, but certainly not good. 
The whip is one two one. Fine. Um, the strikeout sixty four and eighty innings are concerning. You know, and the the big dip in velocity dropping about five miles per hour, or whatever it's been, is concerning. You know, especially for a pitcher who who everything played off that that you know best fastball in baseball type of stuff. But um, again, he's better than Bailey Falter. He's someone who's been in the league for a while. He knows how to go out and pitch a game if, if necessary. Now he's not going to go deeper than six. You know, five, six innings, I think, is what you're getting from him. But, you know, when you consider not just, and he's been pitching a six-person rotation in Los Angeles, so we'll see how he adjusts to this here, but and maybe we'll see more Bailey Falter starts. Regardless, um, I think that Cindergaard comes in as someone, again, who can give you some innings, um, has pitched well enough this year. There is certainly upside in that arm as he continues to get back to being a major league pitcher after, you know, the time off. Um, and then and then on top of that, you know, he is someone where outside of just coming in and signing the rotation, you know, we haven't talked enough about the, the fact that Zach Elfham moved to the 60-day IL and, and very likely will not pitch again this year. Certainly for the Phillies, you cannot count on Zach Elfham pitching in this year. So it's not just the, the Bailey Falter has to pitch part. It's the what if someone else gets hurt part. You know, we still have two months left in the season. You know, what if someone else goes down and then you're left, like, like, then you're left with nothing. Then you're left with a real two holes. Then you have Bailey Folzer in bullpen games every week if you're fighting for a playoff spot. So the Syndergaard thing matters not only in the in the stepping right into the rotation of it all, but also in the providing depth for this, this roster and this rotation down the stretch. You know, we know the Phillies don't have guys they can just cycle up for the minors and start games from. They don't have a... Spencer Strider waiting to just take his place in the rotation and win a rookie of the year or whatever. You know, like they don't have those guys right now. Those guys are way too young. So, um, or way too underdeveloped. You know what I mean? But ultimately, I think the Syndergaard move was the most necessary one. They needed a starting pitcher for all these reasons. And I think when you look at the, the again, the the sum of the, the day, you know, that they come out of the day giving up Ohapi, Brown, Sanchez, Moniak, for Syndergaard, Marsh, and Robertson. I'm okay with that. Like, it's like a solid B. A B, B minus. Some people would say B plus, maybe. Like a B. It's a B of a trade deadline, and I'm fine with that. I wanted them to get more. Obviously, I wanted them to go get a starting pitcher who, you know, I felt could start a playoff game for them, and I would feel excited about starting a playoff game. The Montases of the world. Obviously, the Phillies did not want to part with any of their top pitching prospects. They didn't want to completely gut their farm system. And again, I, I get that. That's I didn't want them to gut their farm system. I wanted them to to make themselves better for now and the near future by adding guys who'd be here for now in the next couple of years. Um, and I was willing to part with some prospects to do that. Obviously, um, in terms of the starting pitcher market, that wasn't an option. And Instead, they pivoted to to getting a center fielder for the next few years, and using Ohapi to do that is someone who can come in and is controlled. And again, I wanted guys who were controlled, so I, it makes him better now. And and Brandon Marsh is going to be here, and he's a part of this team. And again, there's a ton of upside to this move, especially again trading Ohapi, a catcher prospect who was blocked at the major leagues. Brandon Marsh has a chance to be the Phillies center fielder for the next five years, the next ten years. Like who the hell knows? You know, I doubt ten years. It's a long time, but. You never know. The point is, if he comes in, he's great here. You know, there, there's a chance he gets another contract, and he's here for some time. But again, you got him for five years under contract. Uh, you know, arbitration, all that stuff. There's real upside to that move. And again, um, you know, we'll find out if, if Ben Brown, Ohapi, Sanchez, Moniak, if that ends up being 
something that comes back to bite the Phillies, you know. But again, they got three players from the major league roster, giving up four minor leaguers, um, and again, no one is going to help the team this year. They're much better today. They're a better team. And look, I, I can also understand when the when the Padres are going out to, to get Juan Soto, if you're not doing those big type of moves, you know. I understand that you're not going to give up the future for the now, but you still needed to commit to the now. And we talked about it so many times. It was so important that Dave Dombrowski was able to walk into that clubhouse and say, guys, I got you help. Guys, I believed in what you've done. I believe in this group. You guys have done a great job. Here you go. Here's a center fielder. Here's a starting pitcher. Here's a relief pitcher. Let's go win. And I think he did enough of that. You know, I think he gave them enough of a, of a you know, belief from him, you know, kind of a sign of his belief in them and the teams, the organization's belief in them to make them feel excited to go out and win some games and not feel slighted by the front office or not believed in or whatever. We, ha- we saw those reports yesterday. As Toronto was not making trades under the deadline. They had a couple things done, but the play, the, the Blue Jays players were upset with the, the front office because the Yankees were going out and making all these moves and they hadn't done anything. And that stuff's real. That stuff happens. And I think Dabrowski did enough yesterday to you feel good about this Phillies team. And again, we still have Harper coming back. We still have Segura coming back. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be a real race with the Cardinals here. It's going to be, it's going to come down to it. And, uh, you know, I think there's a chance to have some really fun September baseball, which, you know, we've had, I guess, quote unquote, meaningful September baseball the last few years, but it certainly has not been fun um, and uh, not meaningful enough. So um, we'll see. Marsh, Robertson, Syndergaard. I feel pretty good about it. I'm pretty excited about that addition. All right. Uh, look ahead to tonight's, or I should say today, it's early, early game, 12-20 game against the Braves Day in a second. But um, one of the news from baseball, I, m- I mentioned it um, in passing for um, that uh, the West Coast, you think about the West Coast, you think about staying up late to watch baseball games, at least I think about the um, hundreds of nights I've stayed up to watch Vin Scully call a baseball game. And sadly, we lost Vin Scully last night, the um, legendary legendary baseball announcer in my opinion the greatest to ever do it uh, i think arguably the greatest sports announcer of all time um i would certainly put him in that in that spot uh, you know john madden is a is a you know a different form of announcer he's a color guy as opposed to the play-by-play and vim was both um but um you know, he's the only other one who i think of who who in my opinion was as great at what he did as as scully that's how great i think Vin scully was at what he did the obviously the eloquence, the grace, um, the ability to take an everyday story and weave it into a game as he's calling just effortless, effortless, you know, as he's just telling the story and then ball one down the line. And Madison saw the rabbit in his backyard and there's a curveball strike two for you know, and he just like it was like it was like the most natural, most effortless, elegant thing you've ever heard. And um, it was such a treat to watch that guy call baseball games, and it was a treat to um, you know, hear him call other games. You know, called some big moments, called the catch. You know, Dwight Clark catch, Jack Nicholas, and he's six, I believe. Um, and obviously, some of the, the biggest baseball moments ever, and including his call the Kirk Gibson home run, which is my you know favorite thing call. And, and there were many, but you know, when he, it's such a uh, like a masterclass in broadcasting when. You know, Gibson hits that home run. If you watch the clip, I, I don't remember the exact number. I've recorded it. I've, I've timed it before. But, but Gibson hits the home run, and Vin Scully shuts up for like a minute and a half. He just lets the scene speak for himself, for itself, like this magical moment. And he just sits there in silence 
and lets the crowd go crazy and lets him run the bases and lets the whole thing happen. And then after letting that scene play out at the perfect time, Vin comes back in and says one line, in the year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. Like, dude, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, just saying it. That's the 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 master, the the goat that Vin Scully was. And uh, I know, again, personally, I will... Um, I'm really like it's it is that 94 what a life what an epic life the man lived but it is it is a devastating loss for the baseball world I think one of the the true great baseball men of our time so to speak and um, and also just you know seemed like a wonderful human on top of that so um, it's a shame and we're gonna miss Vin and we love Vin and shout out to Vin Scully the greatest ever do it and I'm sure there'll be a lot of great um, retrospectives and you know stories about Vin the next few days so definitely um, take it all in because it's worth it because Ben was the best. All right. Um, tonight, back at it. Today, I should say, 12-20 action after getting boat race last night, 13-1. You need a win today. Luckily, you got your guy on the hill. Zach Wheeler on the hill versus Charlie Morton. Let's go. Wheeler, ace, big one today. The the Cardinals are playing the Reds. Let's get a win here. Um, uh, Marsh will be here tomorrow. I believe there's a chance Robertson's there today. Uh, Syndergaard, I'm not sure when his first start will be, but we will obviously update you on all that as it goes. And um, Again, big one today. Go out and win a game. Those trades are made. You got blow, blown out yesterday. Time to win one today against the Braves. Either way, whatever happens, we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow with more on the trades, the Nat series coming up, and a whole lot more. So until then, thank you for listening. Another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.